Welcome to Mindful Social, the show that intersects mindfulness and emotional intelligence with the hectic online world we live in today. Whether you're going back into the office or the workplace after parental leave from work, from caring for a loved one, or because of the pandemic isolation, how can you put your best foot forward and integrate without losing yourself in the process? My guest this week, Lori Mahalik-Levin, is the founder of Mindful Return, author of Back to Work After Baby, How to Plan and Navigate a Mindful Return from Maternity Leave, and she's also a healthcare lawyer in private practice. Lori joins me to talk about how we can take a mindful approach to planning that peaceful, empowered, and radiant return to the workplace. Listen up. Hi, Lori. I'm so glad you could make it for our chat today. And, and I really think this is going to be very pertinent to current times. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm delighted to be here with you, Jenna. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. Why don't you give us a little bit of background about you, Lori, and how you got where you are right now? Long or short story? <laughs> well, let's see, maybe medium-sized story. Um, I wear approximately 10,000 hats like many of us do, but my main three are that I am mom to two wonderful red-headed boys. Uh, I live in Washington, D.C. Uh, hat number two is that I run a program called Mindful Return that helps new parents transition back to work after parental leave and helps working parents navigate that mm, integration between work and all the rest <laughs> of life. And then the third hat is that I am a practicing Medicare regulatory attorney um, and a nerd on all things Medicare payments to teaching hospitals. Wow. You have a lot of hats. I do. I like yeah. taking them off and putting them on and switching them around <laughs> all the time and coming up with new designs for them. And yes, it's good. That gives us a really good segue because some of the things that, you know, I think are really important right now for everybody is finding ways to separate our mm -hmm. different hats and, you know, figuring out how are they all going to work together without one overwhelming the other? Yeah. Um, there's a, principle in positive psychology that's called work-life enrichment. And um, a friend and colleague, Yael Schoenbrunn, who's at Brown University, works on this. And, you know, she writes that although we often think of work and life as in tension with one another, they actually enrich one another. Now, yes, we have to learn how to do it in a way that doesn't make us <laughs> crazed and learn how to pause between the transitions, etc. But mm -hmm. You know, I can definitely attest to the fact that I am a better professional because I'm a mom and because I pause and stop every day to not do professional work um, for, mm -hmm. you know, a certain amount of time and you know, bond with my family and my husband and learn those skills. And I am a better mom because I don't mom 100% of my day. And so I really do view this as uh, an interplay of skills. And, um, you know, there are so many leadership qualities that I bring to my professional work that I learned on the parenting job and vice versa. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's spot on, you know, I've always been bothered by the term work-life balance, because it kind of makes you feel like you're standing in the middle of a teeter-totter. Yeah. If you go one way or the other that, you know, the whole world is going to end and, and, you know, we bring our work home, we bring our life to work, 
And so, you know, we just have to figure out how we're going to work with that. And, um, you know, now in particular, when people have been kind of accustomed now to taking care of the family while they're working mm. and, you know, taking off that hat momentarily to go do something else and come back, it, it makes sense. So let's talk a little bit about looking at, say, six months, maybe nine months, people are going to be back to work full time. And if they're in that transition period, how can we best manage that transition? How can we get ready is really the better question. Yeah, so I have thoughts on that. But first, I want to rephrase back to work full time because most of us have been working full time this whole time, but you probably mean back to the office a lot of the time. That's correct. Yes. Um, so let's, we can talk about back to the office. Um, I find that in any major life transition, and you know, I work with a lot of people who are transitioning to working parenthood for the first time. So this is a major overhaul of you know their own personal and professional identity. You know, changing. Um, but even if it's moving to a new house or starting a new job or going back to an office, that for me, it can be helpful to anchor in a framework that you can at least try to get your head around and come up with concrete steps that you can take so it doesn't feel like this amorphous, um, never-ending list of things that you need to grapple with. And so for me, the framework that I use in all of the mindful return programs that I find helpful for perhaps transitions back to the office, including transitions you know, after having a baby, et cetera, our um, mindset, focusing on mindset, logistics, leadership, and community. Mm -hmm. And so to the extent that you can anchor in those four pieces as you're preparing to go back to work, um, you know, on the mindset piece, uh, there's any direction we can go, but what are the micro mindfulness pieces that you can build into your day? If you were going to have a commute, for example, um, one mm -hmm. thing I did when I had a commute in Washington, D.C. was between uh, I'd take the metro downtown. I would walk from the metro to my office and I had a practice for about a year or two of stopping at either a park bench or going into a hotel and sitting in the lobby and turning on the wonderful app called Insight Timer and just sitting there. Right. And breathing and recognizing that no child was connected to me and that I was sort of taking that moment to change the hat. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if you're going back to the office, thinking about how you can use that commute time. Um, in terms of logistics, I think there's any number of things that we can do to um, test things out in advance and, you know, talk to your friends who have already transitioned and, um, you know, get the advice of colleagues in your office who are also transitioning. And I won't dwell on the logistics there, but I think it's helpful to map out the logistics in advance. It can really help to reduce the anxiety of, around going back. Um, in terms of leadership, I think often we don't think about times of transition as times when we have an opportunity to grow our leadership muscles, but I think now is a perfect time. As you're going back into the office, um, can you model setting good boundaries? Can you model creating an inclusive work environment that includes the people who are there with you in the office and includes people who might be working in a hybrid way? Um, can you reflect on the idea that maybe some people in offices liked not being there because they didn't have to experience microaggressions. And how can you be a leader in changing that culture when you go back? So there are lots of ways you can think of leading as you go back. And then the fourth piece around building community and staying in community is, you know, where can you find your people? You know, I like to tell my working parent colleagues, you know, who else in your office also went out on parental leave? 
And can you have lunch with them the first day back? Or can you have a virtual coffee with them? You know, you can do the same thing as you're transitioning back into an office, finding people through an affinity group at your company or um, just connecting with those friends you haven't seen in a long time and making sure that you're getting that in-person connection and building in time and space for that. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of the new parents that I talk with are always struggling with that kind of re-entry phase, you know, especially if, you know, you've got a very young baby and you've been spending all of your time with the baby mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's really your whole world. And then stepping out of that and going back into an office is really, really hard because that mindset maybe you didn't like it in the first place, but that mindset is very different now and your priorities are different, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. And I think there were the pros and cons of being home and, you know, a lot of people I have worked with didn't have to separate from their baby and they were able to sort of feed them all day and now they might be going back to a world where they have to deal with pumping. And I mean, I pumped for about two years of my whole life. Mm -hmm. I calculated at one point over a thousand times. So there are a lot of, logistical issues that go into that and emotional as well. Um, not to mention the idea of finding caregivers who you really trust uh, your baby with and having to grow that trust over time. I'm a huge fan of people phasing baby into childcare and phasing back into uh, work when that is possible, just because mm -hmm. it sort of takes the edge off and um, allows you to, you know, even phasing your baby into childcare a week before you transition back to work. Um, I know for many people, there's the guilt of, oh, but I should be spending every last moment of my parental leave with my baby. And there are things you probably want to adjust and adapt to, you know, finding clothes that fit and seeing friends and getting over <laughs> that first uh, shock of not being with your baby for a couple of hours mm -hmm. um, on a day when you're not actually going back to the office. Oh, I think that's huge because that cutoff Mm -hmm. you know, that some people experience is, is really kind of traumatic for the baby mm -hmm. and for you. And, you know, it's, it's a big challenge. So let, let's talk a little bit more about logistics with getting ready to go back to work. Okay, we want to think about who's going to be caring. How's that going to work? Are we going to have to be pumping? Or if we're a dad, how are we going to be able to help manage that process? Um, what other logistics are people maybe not aware that they're going to have to run into. Mm, um, before I answer that question, I'm still a little hung up on the trauma for the baby. And mm -hmm. that's something I think that, you know, can the, the guilt that the idea that somehow you're traumatizing your child can really um, play with our minds a little bit. And I yeah. just want to cite um, the research that Bridget Schulte talks about in her book, Overwhelmed, from the um, ev evolutionary anthropologist, uh, Sarah Blaffer-Hurdy. And Sarah Blaffer-Hurdy has done research on ancient civilizations, um, you know, young women in Africa, and discovered that it was completely normal and has been for thousands of years for women to leave their babies back at camp and go off and work and do things and have what she calls alloparents, caring for the babies. It's totally normal for villages to be caring for babies. Mm -hmm. What is not normal is for only one person to be responsible for like every single thing related to the life of a, a child. And so um, when the guilt cre crept in for me, it was very helpful for me to remember that in finding caregivers, um, it need not be a traumatic situation. It could be a building of a village and a community of you know people who are all 
caring for my child. So yes, there's the emotion and the, the, um, the hormones and everything that are going on with baby. And I think that there are important reframes and stories that we need to change in telling ourselves. Otherwise we will feel like we are traumatizing our kids, which I don't yeah, believe I we think, are. I think we feel the need to feel guilty mm -hmm. at some, yes. some level, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's not, as you just said, it's not necessarily real that we have to feel guilty, but it's, we wrap ourselves up in this before the whole situation starts to happen, you know, before we're even thinking about, oh, should I go back to work, you know, and, and all of that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a really Very interesting charged. insight. Very we'll charged. have to link to that research. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bridget Schulte's book is called Overwhelmed Work, Love and Play When No One Has the Time. It's a, a wonderful, wonderful piece. But to your question about, you know, what are people not thinking about that they should probably dig into a little bit? Um, one piece is around what projects you want to take back when you come back um, versus what you may have evolved out of or someone else has grown into. Um, I mean, it's a, a process of thinking about what you want your role to be and how you want to step back into your, your role when you come back. Um, remember that you may have trained other people to do things. And maybe they're going to continue to do them and that might be a good thing. And there may be other um, ways that you can step up and lead in new ways now that you're back. Um, another issue is around travel. I mean, not so, so much during COVID, but now I'm seeing travel pick up more and more. Um, and for new parents, being away can be challenging, um, you know, having to pump on the road and worry about childcare and whatnot. Um, but I'd say, I, I wanna sort of speak to managers who are managing parents who are you know, coming, going out and coming back from leave and say that, you know, the most important piece of advice I can give is to just not make assumptions about what the parent wants or needs. Um, because it may very well be that they want to continue to travel and take on challenging projects. Um, and I find that some managers think they're being benevolent by not offering those opportunities uh, to their employees. And then, you know, the employee feels as though they've been passed over for work that they otherwise would have gotten. And so um, I, I think it's important to think about what your goals are for your return mm -hmm. and, you know, how you want to make that, um, that transition happen. Also to look at your transition and return as a whole year process and not just a one day or one week event. I think we could probably <laughs> apply that principle to the return to the office after COVID too. Like this is going to take a while people for us to, right. to get used to a new way of being and we should be patient with ourselves in the process. Yeah, I've been speaking with people that are really, you know, dealing with a lot of anxiety about going back into the mm -hmm. workplace. And some of it is, I don't really need to talk to people right now. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of um, the isolation was good for some and bad for others. Mm -hmm. And but there's a lot of angst about going back into the workplace and what that's going to be like, and the physical and the mental situations. Mm -hmm. And so let's let's segue just for a moment to okay, I'm a manager and I know that someone's coming back and you know they either recently had a child or maybe they're a caregiver in a different way. Mm -hmm. How can I be thinking a little more productively in how we're gonna have a relationship when they come back? Mm -hmm. And I, I think some of it speaks to what you just were talking about, but I'm gonna let you run with that. As a manager, what do I need to be thinking about? Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing I'd say is to make clear to the person who is coming back that you're in this together and that you're going to figure out a way forward and um, recognize that 
their lives have changed. You know, I think the worst thing that a manager can do is just assume that they're the same person who they were before they <laughs> took any kind of leave. And, you know, people do that all the time. Okay, she's back. Perfect. Like everything's the same. Go. And here's your 27 things that were on your plate when you left. Yeah, not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does come back to the making no assumptions. Um, to be aware of your own biases, your own, I know that's hard when you're, you're looking for your own blind spots in some ways, mm. um, but to, to know that there is such a thing as maternal bias in the workplace and the motherhood penalty, and to know that there is such a thing as a fatherhood bonus, um, mm. to know that there is such a thing as stigmatizing men for doing caregiving work, and you know, just asking yourself questions around whether or not what you're assuming is actually true. I think also celebrating the return is a big mm. and you know fun and easy one. We need more fun, Janet, these days. <laughs> it's been so doom and gloom. Like we need some fun, right? So find some way to really celebrate the fact that you're back together and that the person is there and that they're valued. I can't tell you how many new parents say to me, well, I went out on leave and I wasn't there for a while. I guess that means that my team doesn't really need me and I'm not really good at what I do. And you know, that is a really awful and limiting belief to come back in the door with. And to the extent you can tell your colleague, your employee, I really value you. I missed you while you were gone. I'm glad that you're back. Here are the skills that I see that you have and that you are growing through parenthood. And I am welcoming you back on the team. And let's talk about how we're going to make this work Mm. and how we can come up with a way that you can um, protect some time during your week to be with your family, right? Um, Some recognition that we're all human and we need to be able to bond and connect with that person that we're caregiving for um, and finding ways to do that, even in a world that seems to be sort of 24 seven on all the time. Right, right. And, you know, I think it's really important that we recognize that the world is not 24 seven all the time. Mm -hmm. And that a lot of times that's a choice that we made, whether it was a choice we made before we left or a choice we made when we come back. And, you know, we're seeing it a lot in the way that people are coming back to work now Mm -hmm. is people are starting to say, yeah, you know, I want better hours. I want to be able to set my own hours. This working from home thing actually worked out pretty well for me. And I'd like to figure out how we can do that, Mm -hmm. how I can not have a two hour commute. There's so many things that people are coming back and saying, you know, I have very different needs than I have when I left. And I wonder if you do too, Mm -hmm. and and really Mm -hmm. having those conversations. which is just so important that we have conversations instead of assume that we know what's going to happen because we don't, we really don't don't assume, talk, don't assume, talk, don't assume. Yes, exactly. Have a refrain here. Yeah. It's crucial though. And, and assuming and just judgment are basically, you know, different sides of the same coin that we put people in a box. They were in that box when we left and now we come back and, Oh, well, how dare you change? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, I hear too many stories of, you know, a, a stereotypical older male manager saying, well, my wife handled it X way. So of course this, you know, millennial <laughs> woman is going to want to handle it this way. And I think right. you just have to sort of take that off and say, take your own references out and, and ask the person what she wants to do and how she wants to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the dads. What are they looking at 
when they came back, if they were on parental leave or they were just on, you know, pandemic leave, um, it's different for them too. And how is it different? Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the stigmas around taking paternity leave are still very real. Um, you know, even in organizations that offer gender neutral leave, when you dig into the data and look who is taking it and how long they're taking, you start to see huge uh, differences between what is available and what um, men are actually feeling as though societally and culturally it is acceptable for them to take. And I think that's you know, a sad statement on how we value caregiving and gender roles and all that sort of um, stuff. But, but the good news is that within an organization, when a man takes leave who is in some sort of leadership position, even if it's like mid-level management, the, the man and the men who follow him in terms of becoming a parent next in the organization are infinitely, not infinitely, there's a number attached that I'm blanking on, but way, way, way more times more likely to take their leave because they saw someone else do it. So it really sure. just takes some modeling within the organization. Mm -hmm. um, so I think one thing that fathers have to grapple with is sort of how they're going to navigate those conversations, how they're going to deal with the microaggressions that come at them around, oh, well, how was your vacation and things like that, mm -hmm. where I'm sorry, but keeping a human being alive. We saw Pete Buddha judge, you know, was being criticized for taking four weeks um, off to be with his um, new baby. So um, it's a pervasive uh, bias that I think men still have to deal with upon return. And mm -hmm. then I think there's the the always on culture and the the valuing of work over everything else that, mm -hmm. you know, men need to be given permission to be caregivers and to be equal partners in the home. And um, I'm a fan of Eve Rodsky's uh, book called Fair Play, and um, taking a, a fair play facilitation training program right now. So it's sort of top of mm -hmm. mind for me, but I think couples, especially in dual working parent couples really need to navigate conversations around who is doing what and when. And, um, you know, in the, in the book, it's all about who owns the different cards that are, you know, part of keeping a household going mm -hmm. um, and making sure that the division of those cards is, is equitable. Um, for many couples, they start off pre-child pre with a very equitable distribution of labor. And then after baby arrives, that gets skewed quickly and gets magnified over time. And so um, I think keeping in mind the fact that interventions will be needed early is something that <laughs> men and women, uh, I think, need to, to, get, their, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. get their heads around. Yeah. And understanding that, again, it is a choice. There's lots of people who think, well, there, there is no choice. The woman takes care of the baby, you know, mm -hmm. or there's all these stereotypes out there that are starting to really shift. I know in, mm -hmm. in the caregiving space where people are caring for family members beyond children or including mm -hmm. children, um, the number of men has gone up considerably who are being mm -hmm. active family caregivers. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic, but I don't know that very many people are aware of those data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. And the way that we talk about men as caregivers, you know, when we see a, a father pushing a stroller in the grocery store, oh my gosh, you know, you're doing such a great job. 
you say that, ask yourself, would you say the same thing to a woman mm-hmm. <laughs> if you were seeing her do the same type of caregiving work? You know, we don't want to um, glorify and reward that which is normal and for, for women. And there's nothing inherently female about the ability to care for another human being. So no, we have a lot Not of stereotypes all. we need to, to break through, but we are swimming in that air that tells us those stories day in and day out. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we are. And I, it, it's nice to see it changing a little bit. And one of the things mm-hmm. that I've noticed is that the demographics of uh, caregivers who quit their job to care for family is a lot of the C-suite and it's mostly men. Mostly because mm. they can afford it is my assumption. But, you mm. know, that's beside the point. Before I go off on that tangent, um, <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit more about... I was reading on your website, there's some wonderful things there, including classes that people can take to really understand how to make this transition. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, thank you. Um, The main program that Mindful Return offers is a four-week cohort-based, so group-based, asynchronous online course that helps new parents transition back to work after parental leave. And we offer a course for new moms and a course for new dads um, every other month. Uh, so it fits in with most people's parental leave timeline in one way or another. And there are currently 85 different companies that offer the program as a parental leave benefit to help you know, retain their new parent employees. Um, we also have a program specifically for parents of special needs children who are juggling those responsibilities and uh, the workplace. Um, mm-hmm. We have a training program for managers uh, to go through to increase awareness and empathy and uh, some skills around not making assumptions. Um, and we've expanded into um, courses that are also in Spanish for the new parents. Uh, we have a UK chapter and India chapter, which has been sort of exploding with uh, new offerings. But uh, you know, really at the core is helping new parents not feel isolated upon their mm-hmm. return to work after parental leave. Um, if I can tell a quick story, you know, I was working as a partner at a firm here in Washington, DC. And, you know, it's one of those, it was one of those buildings where the firms were like stacked on top of each other. So you had one building with like three different firms in it and mm-hmm. you had this big box. And, you know, I went into work one day and in the elevator, I was going up to my floor. And then there was a woman at the firm right above mine who was in the elevator. And she stopped me and she said, are you the mindful return person? I think you're the, I was like, yeah, that, that's me. And she said, I took the course. And, you know, she pulled out her phone and showed me a picture of her baby. And I thought, oh, you know, so sweet. And we stepped out of the elevator and we talked for a minute. And I said, well, how was your return to this law firm? Because it was a, a firm that used mindful return. And she said, I have to tell you that um, not only was it fine, but it was sort of a non-event because I had thought through everything in advance and I had like turned mm. out all of the issues and gotten my anxieties out. And so like, it was fine, thanks. Like, let's go to lunch or whatever. But you know, it, it was the exact response that I wanted, which was the return doesn't have to be a crisis. Mm-hmm. You can think through the issues in advance and feel supported by a community and not feel alone in doing it. Um, and so, you know, that's really the, I mean, the, the leaky women's leadership pipeline is what inspired me to create it in the first place. and our retention statistics are super high for those who have taken the course. So we know it works. Wow. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just great. Cause you really, you don't want to hear them go. Yeah. So I went back to that company and they were not ready, you know, and the, and the struggles. And I think 
it's it's wonderful that that you're doing this and that it's really working and in multiple countries which is really cool yeah yeah that we definitely have more in common across countries in terms of you know our returns to work than we have differences hmm. we have different policies i mean yes i'd love to see the u.s have a longer parental leave for example um <laughs> that are non-existent paid parental leave in the united states right now um right. but or and a lot of new parents all over the globe no matter how how old their child is when they make that transition back to work, go through very similar struggles, face mm -hmm. similar anxieties and emotional um, changes. Yeah, oh, that's really great. So I would like people to make sure that you go to Lori's website. All the links are gonna be in the blog post and in the, the notes, but um, go look at the website. And, and Lori, why don't you let people know where that is and how else to find you social media wise? Sure. Thank you, Janet. Um, it's mindfulreturn.com is our website. You can follow along on Instagram. I do a quick Tuesday tip every Tuesday for working, a uh, quick tip for working parents. Um, that's at mindfulreturn. We're also on Facebook and you can link in with me, uh, Twitter, usual places. I am also the co-host of a podcast called Parents at Work which I co-host with my wonderful husband so that we can present a good uh, gender neutral view on working parenthood. Cool. And I wrote a book called Back to Work After Baby that you can find on Amazon and any other place that you order books. Yes, and don't forget to get the book and there'll mm -hmm. be a link for, link to that as well. So yeah. Wonderful, thank you so much, Janet. No, thank you, it's been a pleasure. And, and uh, I hope that you know people really take note and pay attention to this and especially the managers. Um, that, you know, people really <laughs> think about who in your cohort is going to be in this position and how can you be there for them? Because, you know, at the end of the day, we really are all about kindness and compassion around here. So let's figure out how we can bring that forward and get people out of their boxes. Everybody may need to take a leave at some point, whether it's for an elderly relative or yourself or a spouse or whatever. And so when people say, oh, it's not fair, you know, so-and-so is going on leave and they're having this break. Just remember anybody could need that mm -hmm. break. And so let's treat one another as we would want to be treated if we needed to go out for a few months. Exactly. Because it could be you. Tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you so much, Lori. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Jenna. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Mindful Social. It's been so great to see the subscriptions growing and the feedback has really helped me make the show even better. So if you know somebody who needs to be on the show, email me at Janet at JanetFouts.com. And please send me feedback there too, or post a review on the podcast platform you're listening on. Oh, and do me a favor, share this show on social media or with a friend. Thank you.